We love new things, don't we? We just like to have new things around us. doesn't matter really what they are. Especially at this time of year. This is a special time of the year because everything is new. And we reflect on the newness of the year and the newness of opportunities and, and all of that. But it is a, a time to put the past year behind us, all the old stuff, and to put the new ahead of us as we make a brand new fresh start. But years are not the only things that are new for us and not the only new things that we love. We love pretty much anything as long as it has that sticker on it, new. And certainly marketers know this, don't they? Uh, marketers will present new things to us, whether it's a new mop or a new car. I mean, who wants an old car, right? Who wants an old mop? You want a new mop because they're just so much better than the old mops. How about a new phone, new mobile phone? Uh, we get new technology each year. It seems like there's always some new release. Or what about a new vacuum cleaner, right? How many of y'all need a new vacuum cleaner? Okay, all right. I saw a tweet the other day about a new kitty litter product. I mean, what, uh, what are they thinking? How many new ways can you collect your cat's litter? Cats really have to be laughing at us about this one. I mean, they laugh anyway, don't they? Don't you hear cats laughing at you, sneering at you? Uh, it's this new automatic cat litter box. It comes with a product description that was really too good for me not to share with you. So listen to, the, to this. The best model removed debris without the clumps and clogs that plagued other units. And its design is free of the standard rake mechanism that can injure cats and is prone to jamming. Lots of cats have been injured by these rakes. Instead, the best automatic cat litter box offers animals a private windowed globe <laughs> that empties after use by rotating upside down and sifting waste into a bottom drawer. It works with any clay-based clumping litter. A carbon filter helps prevent odors. And the drawer can be lined with kitchen garbage bags, not included, for easy waste disposal. Really? Do we really need this? Is this something that really demands our attention and should be labeled as new? Well, maybe not. Not everything that is new is needed, is it? But according to our scripture this morning, there are some new things that we really do need. In fact, there are some things that stand the test of time. Some things that we have uh, as a part of our humankind that have always been needed. It doesn't matter where you slice history and what group of people you look at or what individuals you discover in history. All of us have continued to have certain needs. And our history is one of trying to meet those needs. And really, you could say our history has been written in such a way that, that shows that our lives have been about trying to do whatever we can to meet those needs out of our own resources. And we see within that history that all kinds of problems have developed as a result of that. We have made and tried our own substitutes for these needs. But again, as our record of time shows, we have not yet done it. We have not yet been able to meet our deepest needs in life. But the good news for us this morning is that God has already provided 
what we need. Do you believe that? God has already made available to us what it is that we need, even with the best of marketing announcements, through the media of Isaiah's powerful voice that you heard a moment ago. Hear these words again. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they ever spring forth, I tell you of them. What a great marketing declaration. This is something that God wants us to know today. And as we hear the scripture, not only Isaiah's, but Matthew's gospel about Jesus and the baptism of Jesus, there are some key needs that are here that we know we have in our lives as well. The first new thing that Isaiah mentioned was that the people around him were longing for something that only God could provide. Something that they needed most in their lives, and that was justice. As we have been hearing, these were people who were awaiting deliverance. These were people that had been separated from all that they knew and everything that they held dear. They were truly awaiting deliverance from their captors. Their homes, their businesses, their place of worship, and a new way of life had been taken from them when they were conquered and as they were carried off by soldiers to this strange land. And as they were there, they needed encouragement. They needed help. We have spent probably the last five or six weeks talking about their condition. We have heard from Isaiah the prophet and the words that he specifically gave to them, these words that God had put as a fire in his belly and as inspiration coming from his mouth. There was nothing that they could ever do to change their reality. There was nothing that they could do to solve their problem. There was no one among them who could lead them out and back to their homeland. And they longed for somebody like Moses to come and, and lead them out of, uh, of Egypt and, and out of their captivity. Yet no one had ever developed that could do that. It is into this reality that God would provide a promise. A promise of someone who would bring them justice. And Isaiah became God's mouthpiece to them about his identity. There was something odd about his description, though. And if you look there in the scripture, as it's printed for you in the bulletin, uh, it, it's not uh, the description of what you would think would be someone who was going to come and take over the uh, captors and take over the armies and take over the kings and the others that had held them in this captivity. There was something odd. And I'm sure the people questioned Isaiah as this description of a deliverer sounded way too passive, way too gentle. It's almost like what we think about sometimes from Sunday school pictures that uh, we maybe remember from flannel graph in Sunday school or sometimes in children's Bibles. And it is this Jesus who is traipsing through the flowers and he's feeding the lambs and he's carrying the lambs and, and all of that. It is a very gentle kind of Jesus. And that's really not what Isaiah is describing here, but it is a much more gentle and passive Jesus than we would think about in terms of a superhero. They were looking for a superhero. They weren't looking for a servant. They weren't looking for someone who was going to put on a towel around his arm and serve people and wash their feet. That's not what they had in mind. And yet this is what God had Isaiah say to them. 
This person is going to come. I promise he's going to come. He's going to bring justice, but he's going to do it in such a way that is completely different than what you're expecting. Isn't that like God? Isn't that what God does to us? He reminds us that He is still in charge and that He is able to take care of whatever our needs are. Their salvation would come from a servant who would deliver justice with something far stronger than violence. If you don't believe me, look there in Isaiah. Look throughout the Gospels. Look at the life of Christ and see how He went about providing justice. I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer had to say about justice. As he faced the injustice of a Nazi Germany that was trying to take over the world, killing uh, and taking over land and, and doing whatever they wanted to do to be able to impose their way upon the world. He says, We are not simply to bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. That's one new thing that God sent Jesus into our world to do. To throw a spoke, actually to become a spoke in the wheel of injustice, to stop it and to reverse it and to say things are going to be different around here. God's justice will reign. God's justice will overcome evil and death and sin and Everything else that is counter to God's ways in the world. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Our world still needs justice, doesn't it? In our world of free will, there are plenty of people who continue to choose injustice. There are evils all around us, some perhaps, that we even do to each other. We're certainly not exempt from that, are we? We are sinful beings and sometimes we make the wrong decisions and we hurt one another. We say things or we do things that hurt other people. And we don't have to look far back in our history to see how injustice can exist even in a free, democratic nation like ours. Many of you know the injustice of Jim Crow laws. Having to enter the back of a building or to drink from a different fountain or to go to another school because of your skin color. Some have have experienced it at one of the 12 or so payday loan uh, institutions. I'm not even sure if that's a good word for them. Um, Businesses that are around here, rackets that are within a mile's walk of this building, and the injustice, the economic injustice that exists in this neighborhood and throughout our city, with predatory lending. It could be that others here today know the injustice that comes from discrimination. Discrimination against you because of your time served, your sexual orientation, your disability, or your age. What God wants you to hear today is the same thing He wanted the exiles of Israel to hear long ago. That justice is on its way. That God is still on the side of justice. You may feel powerless where you are right now. Seeing the unfairness and the suffering of what has happened to you. But something new is in the works. Something new is going on. Are you aware of it? 
Are you seeing it? Your deliverer has already shown up. And his work of righteousness, though very much still in process, is nearing completion. And that's great, you may say. But what do I do in the meantime? What do I do while I'm still in exile? What do I do while I I still don't have all of the pieces of my life put back together? What do I do when I don't see any hope? I'm quite sure that's what the people who heard Isaiah's words uh, during that time, uh, as they heard him speak, I'm sure that's what they wondered about a promised servant and this one who was to come and do things in a very different kind of way. I'm sure they wondered, so when is he coming, Isaiah? That's great news and we need justice, but when is he coming? We've been here 50 years waiting for God to show up. How much longer do we have to live like this or to wait for things to change in our world? Well, if we fast forward to the gospel text that we heard this morning in Matthew chapter 13, what we discover and what we see is that people there are still waiting for justice to be served. They've already been delivered back to their homeland and as they were there, they were captured once again. They weren't taken off into exile, but they were held in captivity there by the Roman government as was pretty much the whole world that they knew. But we can see them there, waiting for justice to be served. Some of them long for this servant to show up so much that they are willing to do about anything for it to happen, even wade into the waters of the Jordan River, while some poorly dressed guy eating locust and honey yells at them and tells them to repent and to turn around. They were willing to do that so that the Messiah would come. It is in those waters that they would see and experience the second thing, this new thing that God was doing in the world. Identification. It happened as the Son of God was baptized. Just as they had been baptized, although for different reasons. As Jesus stepped into the water, He stepped further into their identity. Into their humanity. He showed his willingness to identify with them and he began a ministry whereby they could identify with him. And that's something we celebrated here recently with Lily's baptism as we began the year with that. As she went into the water, it was a symbol of her identification with Jesus in his death. And as she came up out of the water, it was a symbol and a great reminder and a powerful witness of her resurrection. She has identified with the new life of Christ. And what a beautiful picture. And so she can identify with Jesus, knowing that Jesus identifies with her. And we can recall this about Jesus and what he provides to us. From then on, he would go deeper into their captivity, into their sufferings, into their hopes, their sicknesses, and even into their hearts. With all of the flu going around this season, it is not uncommon to hear people diagnosing uh, one another or sharing some tips of of what to take or how to take it. And uh, I was in Walgreens the other day picking up some medicine, and I I heard two people in the aisle, two strangers it seemed like, and they were one of them was telling the other one, you know, take this, don't take that, and all of the the special tips and the Uh, different things that that she had learned and experienced uh, just having flu. And it's interesting to to hear that and to 
to be able to sense the empathy that is going on as one person shares with another person. Hey, I know what you're going through because I've just been there myself. It is helpful to have someone who's already been there give you care, is it not? To have someone who can identify with what you're going through. Identification is another thing that we need in our lives today, isn't it? Isn't it helpful to know in the midst of your humanity, to know that God loves you so much that He entered into this world so that He could identify with what you're going through today? So that He could identify with our human experience, with the temptations and the struggles and the problems and the challenges that we face? Isn't it good to know that there is someone who knows how you are feeling when you're down and out? When you are ridiculed? When your life is unfair, when you have no place to lay your head, you remember that Jesus was also homeless. Jesus was also one who felt the elements of the weather around him as he slept at night. Isn't it great to know that we have someone who can identify with us, who has understood the power of sin, and what it's like to have sin crush you? To know what it's like when it seems like no one else cares at all. If that's the case, you could dwell a bit on the loneliness of Christ, who even cried out on the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? That's how Jesus felt. I'm sure you have felt that way at times as well. Identification is a new thing God is doing And so I would ask you, do you have your identification on you today? Have you identified with Christ? Have you allowed Him to identify with you? A third and final new thing that we hear declared today is affirmation. God provided affirmation to Israel about a servant to come. God provided affirmation to Israel that a servant had come. God provided affirmation to the servant that he was God's special person in the world. These words God shared from heaven must have rung in Jesus' ears. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. These words that came down from heaven that affirmed Jesus for who he was and what it is that he was to do. I am sure they stayed with him all through his life all through His death and all through His resurrection. These are words that He would need to hear as He would enter into the waters of baptism. But they are words that He would need to hear as He exited the river, as He would step across the river into a wilderness that was filled with treacherous temptation. Forty days He would be there with constant temptation. He would need them as He was criticized as he was belittled, as he was chased out of town, as he was threatened, and as he was betrayed by a friend. He would need to hear them when he would enter the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was arrested, when he was tried in a kangaroo court, and then when he was crucified. He would need to hear them as he hung there on the cross until he gave up his last breath. He would need to hear them as he entered the loneliness of his tomb And as he exited into victory, I'm sure he never grew weary of hearing that he was God's beloved. 
I'm sure that's something we need to hear as well. Right? But how can we? Aren't those words just for the Son of God? We say, great. That's great that Jesus had that affirmation, but I haven't. I haven't heard those words from Jesus. Well, you can. Jesus makes it possible for you to hear them. Yes, they were spoken to Him, but they are intended for us to hear as well. They are words of our new life in Christ. Our baptism into His identity. The affirmation is passed on to us as we continue on as the body of Christ in this world. Those words of the risen Jesus, when He said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you, are not only words of mission, they are words of affirmation. They are a new thing that God is doing, intended to stay with you as you exit from your baptism and you go from this place and you go out into the world. Are they new to you? Are those words of affirmation words that you haven't heard before? Or maybe you heard them a long time ago, but you you haven't heard them recently. Take that word with you this week as you go. Circle it in your Bible or in your bulletin and listen to it and allow those words to speak to you because that is how God wants you to hear from Him. You, you are my beloved. I love you. You are my child. One of the new things that has the power of getting our attention these days is any new product from Apple, right? Just the news from Apple that an announcement will be made causes people to line up for miles outside of a store. It causes our stock markets to react with anticipation. And it causes nerds everywhere to start developing new apps for a new iOS system. It's amazing what one simple announcement will do. How much greater is it to hear the words spoken by an ancient prophet of long ago echoed from the heavens down into the Jordan River and entering right here into our space today, right here at 520 Olive. Listen to them again. See, the former things have come to pass and new things I declare. Thanks be to God. Amen.